and then we'll try to share with you what the Lord has laid on our hearts for the meeting this morning. I thank the Lord for how He's helped us, how He's touched my heart, how that He has helped already in the service today. I thank Him for strength, and I thank Him for His touch, and I thank Him for the moving of the Holy Spirit. And it's what we desperately need. And uh, this has been a trying day or two and and, uh, the last few days, and I'm kind of tired in my spirit, and we've got, or in my flesh, and we've got a lot of... uh, a lot of uh, work to be done over the next few weeks. Uh, almost every day of the next three weeks or so, I'll be preaching somewhere, and uh, or we'll be having our revival here, and in the middle of that, and then in a few weeks I'll be in Tennessee, and then in South Carolina, and uh, so it's going to be some busy times, and I'm looking forward to that, and I thank the Lord for it, and excited about it. I'd hate to know that uh, I'd hate to know I passed through this life, brother. Bob and never had the privilege of carrying out my ministry or accomplishing my mission. And I appreciate the opening this morning and the words you had to say. I want to do what the Lord has put us on planet earth to do and I thank Him for the privilege of being able to do that. And I thank Him this morning how He's touched my heart and helped me. Appreciate the good Sunday school lesson this morning. I'm thankful nothing's too hard for God. I'm glad that nothing is too big for Him. And even when we don't have faith to believe, even when we don't have uh, all of that within us that we should to trust the Lord, I'm glad that's still not too hard for God and that He can give it to us. That He can give us the faith to believe. And sometimes I do have to say, Lord, I believe, but help Thou mine unbelief. And I'm thankful that's a prayer He'll know how to answer. He knows how to help our unbelief. And I do thank the Lord. These people this morning, you're here and you're skeptical, maybe even about skeptical about this thing of even trusting the Lord at all. Or skeptical about uh, trusting Him for some circumstance in your life. Or skeptical of whether or not He will come through for you in this particular instance. But I'm telling you, the Lord is worthy of your trust. And He knows how to help your unbelief. And I thank the Lord for that. We're reading one verse, and then I want you to hold your Bibles open in this chapter. We'll reference several passages in this chapter of 1 Samuel in the message this morning. But I want to take our text from verse number 26. If you found your place and if you are able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us and we'll read this verse of Scripture together. 1 Samuel chapter number 10 and in verse number 26, the word of the Lord says, And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose heart God had touched. I want us to read that verse again now. That's where we'll take our text. The message is coming from this verse of Scripture. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. You can be seated. Thank you for standing with us while we read the Word of the Lord. I want to preach if the Lord will help me this morning on men whose hearts God has touched. Men whose hearts God has touched. We talked last Sunday about the effect of the eye upon the heart. How that mine eye hath affected mine heart. We did discuss how that by nature man has a corrupt and a wicked heart. We need help from God for our hearts. We need the Lord to touch our hearts. This passage of Scripture tells of when Saul was anointed to become king over the people of Israel. And the phrase that I'm amazed with from this passage is how that after he has been anointed and after he has been called and he's going back home to Gibeah where he's from, there's a band of men that join in with him and they are men whose hearts God had touched. Oh, I want to be in that number. I don't have to be the king. I don't have to be the lead dog. I don't have to be the uh, grand, illustrious potentate. I had not got to be uh, wearing some special miter on my head or to be recognized with a specific title or honored in some special fashion, but I want to be in the number somewhere or another. None of these men even have their names called. The Bible tells us who saw 
all is, but it doesn't tell us who these men are. It just says there's a band of men whose hearts God has touched. I want to be in that number. A man whose heart God has touched. When God touches a man's heart, He has by nature a changed heart. If the Lord touches your heart, your heart is changed. Look what the Bible said in verse number 9 about Saul. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. If you read through this chapter, you'll find out that Saul was reluctant to do the things that Samuel said the Lord had planned for his life. He didn't feel like he was adequate. He didn't feel like he could or he should or that he would. And he was reluctant to do these things. But the Bible said when he turned to leave from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. The Lord changed his heart. And as a matter of fact, Samuel had told him, you're going to go on the mountainside and you're going to run into some of the sons of the prophets and they're going to prophesy and you're going to prophesy and the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. And now Saul was not a prophet. He was not a preacher. He said, there's no way I'm going to do these things that you're saying. That's not to the plan for my life. All I did was leave home trying to find some livestock that got loose from my daddy's farm. And I happened to run into the preacher. And this is not what I planned on. I just planned on catching those wild animals and bringing them back home. And trying to lock them up when they didn't get away again. I didn't come out here to become a king. And I sure didn't come out here to become a prophet. And I don't have any intent on doing these things, but when he turned to walk away from the man of God, the Lord touched his heart, and it changed his heart, and he did walk up that mountainside, and he did encounter those sons of the prophets, and they did prophesy, and he also did prophesy, and he did the things that God had planned for his life, and the Lord emboldened him and empowered him, and then it positioned him to become the person the Lord is intended for his life. And the Bible said whenever he went home, not only did he go home with a changed heart, but then God put men in his life. My friend, those men whose hearts God had touched and changed their hearts as well. God gave him another heart. And when God touches your heart, you'll have a changed heart. When God touches your heart, you'll have a caring heart. I mean, 2 Corinthians 8 and 16, before this happened, Saul didn't care. He didn't care whether or not they had a king in Israel. He didn't care whether or not God had a plan for his life. He cared about catching those animals and getting back home to his father. But when God changed his heart, he began to care. When God changed his heart, he gained a burden. When God changed his heart, his purpose changed. Second Corinthians 8 and 16 says that God put earnest care into the heart of Titus. The reason why that Paul said Titus cared about the people of Corinth, the reason why that he had a concern and a burden for them, is because God put earnest care in his heart. I wonder about you this morning. Do you have a caring heart? Has God put in your heart the desire to care for others? Do you care for those who are around you? Do you have a heart that cares for the lost? That cares for the dying that cares for those who are hurting. Do you uh, weep with those that weep? Do you rejoice with those that do rejoice? Do you have a caring heart? If a man's got a heart that God sucks, he's got a caring heart. But then I want to say this morning, if you go through life without the touch of God on your heart, you're going to end up with a calloused heart. Your heart is going to get hard. Amen. It's going to get cold. It's going to get tight. Like it were a stone. Job 41 and 24 said his heart is as firm as a stone. Yea, as hard as a piece of nether millstone. 
Mark 3 and 5 says of Jesus and that He was grieved for the hardness of their hearts. The hardness of our hearts grieves the Lord. It troubles God whenever we have a hard heart towards Him. We need the touch of God on our lives that we might not have such a hardened heart. Three times in the early part of the book of Hebrews, we are warned about this. Hebrews 3 and 8, Hebrews 3 and 15, Hebrews 4 and 7 all say, Harden not your hearts. Some of you this morning are seated on the pews, and nothing it seems would move you. And nothing it seems would shake you. I don't really understand. I'm going to be real frank and honest now. Maybe plainer than what you want to hear of me preach. I don't understand from a personal perspective. I'm glad you're here. But from a personal perspective, I don't understand why people who are so hard that they won't believe the preaching, who are so hard that they won't accept God's Word, who are so hard that they mock the people at the house of God, I don't understand why they come. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. If, if I didn't believe in anything that is going on around here, I probably wouldn't be here. Now, I'm glad you are here if you're that way. I appreciate you coming, but I don't understand it. I mean, friend, I am thankful that the Lord gave me a heart to believe and to understand and to receive the Word of God. I don't want to tell you this morning the hardness of our hearts is causing damage in our lives, causing damage in our homes. That causes damage in our relationship with God. What we need is a heart that is touched by the Lord. See, you know what God can do? When He touches a calloused heart, He can take the hard heart and soften it up. God knows how to make us soft. Amen? Oh, that's exactly right. I remember for the longest time watching Klein Brock sit over here about right in there where Brother Jacob sitting this morning and uh, Klein sat over there in that corner and he came to church here for five years letting me know he didn't know the Lord uh, telling me he was lost and he'd even say preacher you better pray for me if something don't happen I'm going to go to hell sure as the world uh, and for five years he came Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night revival time he went on visitation with me he drove me to revival meetings uh, he'd buy my supper put gas in my car hug my neck tell me love me and then say, now you know I'm lost. And I don't even know if I believe what your preaching's right or not. But I love you, preacher. You just keep praying for me. That is the most confusing thing I had ever seen in my life. I mean, if he knew all of that, like he'd just go ahead and get saved. But his heart was hard. And I'd preach to him and hit these stone face. I mean, it seemed like nothing would affect his countenance. He'd just stare at me. He didn't have no more. A face of reflection that a bowling ball sitting over there. I mean, just stone faced through the Word of God. And the, dinner, the altar call didn't trouble him. And, and my friend seemed like that. Uh, the singing didn't move him. Seemed like nothing really mattered. Uh, but he kept on coming and kept on coming. And I didn't really understand why he didn't come, but he kept on coming. And I sure was glad he was here. Have a thin the night the Holy Ghost got a hold of his heart. Uh, and 71 years old, he asked the Lord, into his life, and from then on, every time I preach, he'd cry, and he'd raise both hands toward heaven. His voice said, We don't understand about daddy. I said, It looks like he's had a light bulb installed in his head, and he just glows all the time. That stone face countenance was gone. What happened? His heart got touched. The Lord knows how to change our hearts, the Lord knows how to touch a countenance. And made the difference in it. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26 said, And new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I shall give your father and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Oh, how we need to ask God for a heart that is touched by God this morning.
men whose hearts God had touched. Oh, how we need to be in that number. I want to say this morning we ought to ask God to touch our hearts that we might learn. Amen. We need to have a touched heart so that we would have a heart to learn. You realize that people with hard hearts will not receive the message. They'll not receive the Word of God. The Bible said we are to receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save our souls. To receive it with meekness means a soft or fertile ground that it's been received into. I want to have a heart that is meekly receiving the Word of God and not rebelling against God's Word. Not getting mad because that preacher preached to me this morning. Not getting mad because the sermon wasn't what I wanted or the service wasn't what I liked. Or my favorite singer didn't sing my favorite song. But to receive with meekness the engrafted Word. I want to have a meek and a soft and a tender heart that is able to learn from the Word of God and that is said to come doers of the Word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Oh, my friend, when you say, oh, I'm all right. What that Bible said doesn't matter. I'm doing okay. You're deceiving yourself. Have God touch our hearts that we might learn the Word of God. Ephesians chapter number 4 said in verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. You see, God blamed their ignorance on heart trouble. And they didn't have a heart to learn. Oh, somebody said, I'm not that smart, preacher. You don't have to be that smart. It's not about your mind. That's the way the Gentiles, that's the way the lost world works, is according to what they can think. But Jesus said, your ignorance is rooted in your heart. If you'll have a heart to receive the Word of God, then the Lord can teach us. Amen. I want to be teachable. Amen. Some of you school teachers know what I'm talking about. You got that one kid in your class that you don't think that no matter what you did, you couldn't teach them anything. I mean, they just won't learn. They won't listen. They don't have a heart to learn. They just don't. You could explain it to them however you wanted to. You can tell them if I had ten apples, and you, or if you had ten apples, and if I asked you for four of them, how many apples would you have left instead of taking four? apples away and counting six, they'd look at you and say, Teacher, you ain't getting none of my apples. I'm keeping them all for myself. They don't have a heart to understand. Amen. I mean, they just see things from a selfish point of view. They just see things the way they want to see them. They're not willing to open their heart that they might understand. Do you realize in ourselves when it comes to spiritual things, that's the way we are? We are the troubled student, friend. Human beings, we are at the dust in the classroom. And we've got to have a heart to understand. And the Lord can touch our hearts and give us an understanding heart. If you remain ignorant of the things of God, it will not be because you like the intellect to conceive of them, but because you like the touch in your heart to receive of them. And God give us receptive hearts to the things of God touch our hearts that we may learn of the things of God. As Psalm 119 and 7 said, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. How would I shall have learned in thy righteous judgments? And Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you a rest. I take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Deuteronomy 31 and 12 told us about this. And Moses said that they may hear and that they may learn and that 
that they may fear the Lord your God yes. and observe to do all the works of the law. Yes. Isaiah 1 and 16 said, Wash you yes. and make you clean. Put away the evil of your doing from before mine eyes. Yes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Yes. Have seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Yes. Have plead for the widow. Yes. Oh, how we need God to put away evil from our eyes yes. and touch our hearts that we may learn to do well. Yes. Matthew 5 and 6 said, yes. Blessed is he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness for he shall be filled. Yes. I'm telling you, if you have a hunger for God, yes. if you have a hunger for the knowledge of God, yes. then the Lord lets you learn. Yes. I have a sincere desire for knowledge yes. to know Him and the power of His resurrection yes. and in the fellowship of His sufferings. Yes. When a man has a heart touched by God, yes. he touches us so we may have a heart to learn. Dr. B.R. Lincoln said he would rather his children live and die as educated paupers than to live and die as rich fools. Amen. Hosea chapter number 4 and verse 6 says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Oh, I'm telling you well to have a heart touched by God to Love that song on page six of our six of our hymnals. Have my friend written by Leroy Abernathy. I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Lord. Since the day the Lord touched my heart, I've had an unsatisfiable desire for the knowledge of God. Head down within me and I soak up everything I can find. Oh, my friend, from the Word of God. When I first got saved and that the Lord was working on my heart, I'd got my Bible and I'd get in my room and I was just a kid. I'd just 13 years old when the Lord saved me. And everybody in the house would go to bed and I'd get my Bible out. I'd get in my room and get to studying and get to staying up and reading the Word of God. I'd think, well, I'm just going to read a little while before I go to bed. At school the next morning or whatever and I'd start reading. At 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, my mom would come walking down the hallway, see the light on, open the door and I'd be on the floor reading my Bible. Jim say, son, have you lost your mind? You got school in the morning. It's 2.30 in the morning. It's time to get in the bed. But night after night, I get engrossed in that book. Somebody said, just pick it up and start reading, fall right off sleep. Just reading a little bit puts me to sleep. It wouldn't be too if I wasn't interested in what I'm reading. But I found something. I could listen. I never has have been a reader. I never was a reader. I hated reading. I hated learning how to read. I hated reading when I learned how to read. I never found anything I was interested in reading. My daddy used to have to whoop me to get me to do more. I had to just read the back cover of a little book. I had to do a book report on when I was a kid. I'd read the back cover of the book and make the rest of it up and write a book report. I didn't like to read. I hated reading. But then the Lord saved my soul. And I found out why I didn't like reading. I hadn't found nothing I was that interested in. But when He saved me, He put this Word in front of me. And I suddenly found something I love to read. And I cherish the words of it. Oh, I bless His name. He gave me a heart to learn. Hallelujah. All praise God. He gave me a heart to learn. A heart to learn. And if the Lord will touch your heart, He'll give you a heart to learn. I want to say we need God to touch our hearts so that we would have a heart to love. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse number 5 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? With all thine heart. My friend, the Lord wants us to love Him with all of our hearts. There's a lot of folks that love Him with their lips, don't they? Isn't that what Jesus said? With their lips. They serve me, but said their heart is far from me. But he said, I want you to love me. And I want you to love me with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all thy mind. And 
These words which I have commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. That's where the Lord wants us to have a heart. That have love, birth for Him is in our hearts. They asked Jesus, they said, which of these is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered in Mark chapter 12 and verse 29, and said unto them, first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And then He said, the second is like it. And namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. That's what Jesus said. Romans 5 and 5 tells us, and hope make it not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The Lord can give you a heart to love. I've seen people get right with God that was so mean it was scary. I mean, folks get right with God that you wouldn't want to be caught in this room in here by yourself with them before they come to know the Lord. And if you knew what that kind of past they had, you'd make sure your car was locked before you left the parking lot to come in here. Amen. I mean, I've seen them get saved and then just have a heart so soft and love everybody so much and they don't hardly know what to do with themselves. I mean, Brock, I was talking about earlier, Klein Brock. He always told me, he said, I taught my boys all of my life. To not ever cry. So just be tough. You've got to be strong. And you've got to be hard. And you've got to be tough. And you can't cry. And then the Lord saved him. And every time I saw him, from then to the time that I preached his funeral, every time I talked to him, it starts squalling. And just break down and cry. I mean, he got so soft. And everything just touched his heart. He got so tender. I mean, friend, he could hear a baby cat bellowing. He'd cry. He hit stealing old babies and girls and boys. And he'd cry. He'd shake hands when you look in your eyes. And he'd cry. He'd uh, get in a church service, would sing Amazing Grace, and he'd cry. He'd start to testify, raise both hands, and he'd cry. I mean, I'd get to preaching. He'd sit over there through the whole service with a handkerchief. He didn't know. He told him when he got saved, he said, I didn't even own a handkerchief. He said, now I can't go nowhere without one. Because he said, all I ever do is cry anymore. He said, I've just become a big cry baby. He'd raise both his hands. He'd say, but I'm happier than I ever been in my life. Oh, God made his heart solved. He just fell in love with everybody. I mean, just loved everybody. What I'm saying to you is we have a heart that God has touched. It has a way of softening us and causing us to love, to know how to love. Our hearts, my friend, to know how to be selfish. We're born with selfish hearts. Our self-centered hearts. Our baby is interested in self. They don't care that it's inconvenient for you to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to feed them. they hungry. And they don't care if you have to stay up half the night. And they're going to scream until you pay attention to them and give them what they want. We all got that same selfish nature about us. But when God touches our hearts, it'll make you prefer your brother before yourself. It'll make you love sinners when they mistreat you. It'll make you pray for that one that talks ugly about and if our friend has done what they can to that gets you in trouble on the job or whatever else it'll cause you to have a soft heart a heart that's filled with love for people Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 and 17 was that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. When God dwells in our hearts, when Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, He'll root us in the love of God. At 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 said, Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth of the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, I see that ye love one another, how? With a pure heart fervently. Oh, my friend, let us love our God supremely. Let us love each other too. Let us love and pray for sinners until our God makes all things new. Then He'll call us home to heaven and His table will sit down. Christ will gird Himself and serve us with sweet manna all around. I pray that 
God to give us people whose hearts God has touched and to love others. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know what that is. I don't hear well. All I know is I, felt, I thought maybe this PA system was blowing up on us. Amen. Y'all know I can't hardly hear nothing. They start playing the piano. I turn up microphones on, turn the piano mic on over there so I can hear coming out of this speaker and the other piano over here because I don't hear well. Oh, so I thought, well, is that my ears or is that this PA system? Maybe I need to shut the PA system down. Oh, praise God. We have a heart to love. It'd be good if the Lord had touched my ears and my heart this morning. We have a heart if you've been touched in the heart we have a heart to love we have a heart to learn and then we'll say this morning if God had touched our hearts He'd give us a heart to lead we need somebody some men who have a heart of touched by God to lead Amen we're living in a world of followers we're living in a world that follows a crowd we're living in a world that goes along with the flow we're living in a world where people just float downstream oh but you know what that what is downstream, don't you? That is destruction. That is. Help you float downstream. You're headed for doom. Have a friend. Every dead fish floats downstream. It takes effort. It takes life. It takes labor. It takes a desire. It takes zeal to swim upstream. We need a heart to lead. In verse number 9, Saul didn't have a heart to lead. But when God got a hold of him, the Lord changed his heart and gave him a heart to lead. And then in verse 26, he put people in his life whose heart God had also touched had to put them as a leadership group around him. Oh, how we need that in our generation today. My friend, hey, he had not been a leader. He had been a follower. He would follow after anything. Verse 14 tells us he had been out following his father's asses. But he couldn't even find them. He went looking for the livestock that got away, but he couldn't even find and lost their livestock and bring them back home. He was not even a good follower. And God touched his heart and changed his heart and made him a leader. And you might be surprised who God had used this morning. You might say, well, I'm not the one he's going to use. He wouldn't use me in any sort of leadership. I don't have the fortitude or the will or the knowledge or the smarts. Saul didn't have any of that either. What he did have was a heart that God had touched. I'm telling you, we need some leadership in our homes, in our families, in our nation, in our church, in our communities. And it does not have to be the loudest voice in the room. It does not have to be the smartest person in the room. It certainly should not be the biggest bully in the room. That's not leadership to start with. Oh, but it should be people whose heart God has touched. People with a heart for God and a heart for the Gospel and a heart for people in this world. A heart to lead. A heart to lead. God saved me when I was 13 years old. And very soon thereafter He began dealing with my heart to preach the Gospel. If you think that I was eager to jump on that and thought that I was well capable of doing, you are sorely mistaken. More than anything else, Brother Bob, I didn't tell the Lord I wouldn't do it as much as what I just kept telling Him that it's not time for me to do something like that now. There'll be plenty of days later on for me to do those kind of things. Right now, I've got an agenda I'm trying to fulfill. Right now, I've got stuff I'm trying to do. Besides that, I'm a kid. Nobody's going to listen to what I have to say, and they shouldn't. I'm just a child. And I don't have the knowledge, and I don't have the, I don't have the leadership skills, and I don't have the credibility, and folks will mock and laugh, and they'll not pay attention, and they'll dismiss what I say as being invalid or unimportant, and it's a waste of my time and a waste of my energies, and I just don't want to do that now. Wait till I've at least finished high school and college, and when I get about 25 years old, then maybe I'll consider it. Oh, but I tried my best to put that thing off down the road. Somewhere or another, but the Holy Ghost kept 
pressing on my heart. And you know what I found out? I was uh, everything I told the Lord about my inadequacies. I was right about them. I had every single problem that I told Him about. I mean, I had myself pegged and accurate. I didn't have the capacity to do the job, and I didn't have the maturity or the smarts or the intelligence or the knowledge to do the job. And the people were going to mock and laugh at me, and they did. And people were going to dismiss what I had to say. And they did. And people were going to ignore the things that I told them. And they did. Everything I told him was true. But I found out everything he told me was true. He said, if you'll go, I'll be with you. If you'll be obedient, I'll help you. And when they mock, I'll stand with you. And when others say you're crazy, I'll validate your preaching. Oh, I'll anoint you and I'll help you. I'll instruct you and I'll teach you. And I'll give you a heart of leadership. I'm telling you, friend, God has been faithful to do everything He ever told me He'd do. And I praise His name. Oh, thank God this year will be 27 years since I surrendered to preach His Word. And I don't regret a mile of the trip. I don't regret turning my life over to Him. Oh, praise God. We need people who God has touched their hearts to make them leaders, to step out of their box of comfort, and to do what they otherwise would not choose to do, to serve God in ways God has purposed for them that they would not have chosen for themselves. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. I'd have never done this had the Holy Ghost not dealt with my heart. Had God not ever stirred me to do what He did, I never would have done this. I was leaving a revival meeting one night when I was 16 years old. yonder in the Allstale or Powder Springs area. And I decided on the way home, I'm going to stop and get me something to eat. I made me a hamburger. You know, I done had supper one time. But when you're that age, you eat supper early and then you eat supper again before you go to bed at night. <laughs> It's like having a hollow leg or something. I mean, you can just eat until your heart's content and your belly still ain't full. And so I stopped at McDonald's to pick up something to eat. And it was late that already had service. Went on late, Brother Sammy. Aaron was preaching over there in the Powder Springs area, Rossdale over that area generally. And so I left from there and went down to McDonald's. Out there on Highway 92 in Douglasville, and there was a crowd. And when I pulled in at the outside, I could tell that already had a bit of a party out there in the parking lot. Had some hooligans and whatever had been out there. Had beer bottles sitting everywhere and all this kind of business. Had broken glass. I was afraid to pull my car over and park. I went and parked over a little spot over there in the edge of the Kroger parking lot. Had to make sure I didn't end up with a flat tire, but it went on inside. Had a thought to myself, I'll go in there, I'll get me a hamburger. I'll get it to go. I'll get out of here before there's any more problems or whatever. All of them had done moved inside the McDonald's by then. Had they were gathered up in a big circle on the back side over there of the restaurant. I don't know that any of them was buying anything or eating anything. Most of them were about half lit, anywhere from 16 to 25 years old. I'd been drinking and acting crazy that night, late on a Friday night, about 11 o'clock. I just started to get my hamburger and the Holy Ghost to squeeze my heart. I said, there's something more important for you to do here than buy a hamburger. I said, I want you to testify to all of them what the Lord's done for you. I don't want you to tell them about me for a little while. I thought, no, I can't do that. I, why, this is not the place. This is not a church house. And besides that, half of them's not even sober. They won't listen to what I have to say. And besides, there's just one of me. And there's all of him. And the Lord said, you go and I'll be with you. I went out there in the middle of those folks. And all of them just sitting around goofing and laughing and whatever. I walked up there on the side of one of these. I've seen where they were. And the where that bench was, and I took one step on the beach, put my foot on the back of it, and said, Hey, y'all, let's stop just a minute. I got somebody to tell you about. About three years ago, God saved me and put me in a family of God. I pulled out of my pocket on tracks. And it's called the sinner's friend. And I said, I found the dearest friend I ever had. And I said, I'm glad I know Jesus. Somebody turned the ball. Life and carry on. And the biggest, ugliest, loveliest one of the bunch. I sat on there on the corner and it had sailed. It looked like a taco box. I blown up in his face with 
his nose and tattoos on top of his head. And he said, y'all be quiet just a minute. I want to hear what he has to say. And they did what he told them to do. And I would have to. Amen. And what I share with him the gospel until the store manager come out there and he didn't run the beer drinkers off. They said, preacher, you're going to have to get off. I'm our furniture. We're afraid you're going to fall. You're hurting Sue us. Amen. Oh, thank God. But I got an opportunity to share the gospel. I don't know if I have ever seen any of those young men or women again in the rest of my life. What I do know is one of these days, when I stand before the Lord, I don't have to tell God, oh Lord, I just was not willing to do what you told me to. I'm going to tell you, it sure was a lot better to ride home with confirmation from the Holy Ghost in my heart that I'd have done what pleased Him. God touched our hearts this morning to lead, to go against the grave. Oh, some of you girls in this building this morning, it'd be easier for you to dress like all the other girls does, which means don't dress much. Amen. Because most of the rest of them that I see, I wear nearly as much clothes in the Hours, what they were walking down the streets. It'd be easy for you to follow that crowd. You young men, it'd be easy for you to be rude and crude and disorderly and not have an ounce of manners about you. I like all the other boys do. But I tell you, you don't have to be that way. It'd be easy, Mom and Dad, for you to get wrapped up in the world and worldly things. I'm seeking after what life has to offer here. I'm not feeling things up under the sun. Help me easy, Pete. How to pride up in yourself? How do you ever need to measure up with everybody else all the time? And I tell you, God, touch our hearts. Help me give us a heart to lead. Help us say, friend, we're willing to go against the grain. We're willing to go upstream. Amen. We're willing to ride and live our lives against the flow. Help us go along with God. If the whole world goes in another direction, we go along with God. Help the whole world forget. this heart and become a leader, he found a purpose. You know what you're here for. Brother Charles, I believe I am doing this morning what I was put on planet Earth to do. Amen. I believe the reason why that on the 13th of January 1976, I drew a breath in this world to do what I'm doing right now this morning. And it sure is sweet to go into the perfect will of God. Right. What I'm doing right now, do you have a purpose in your life? Are you serving God? Has God touched your heart that you might leave? Not follow the crowd. Hey, the Broadway is filled with the crowd. And it's headed to hell. That trade is a gain and now it's a way. That lead it unto life and few there be that find it. God give us a heart to get in the straight way. Give us a heart touched by God to lead. Solomon, the Lord told him, says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. You just tell me what you desire. He said, give me wisdom that I might lead my people. 
The Lord said, because thou hast asked of me wisdom, says, I'll give you wisdom, and I'll also give you riches. <laughs> As usual, he got more than what he asked for. Hallelujah. Amen. If we'll ask in the will of God, God will give us more than what we ask for. And 1 Kings 4 and 29 said, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. God, give us a heart touched by God to lead. I'm closing this morning with this. Men whose hearts God had touched, give us a heart touched by God to lean. You realize the Bible said in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. If we cease to follow after the things of the world and lean on Jesus alone, it'll take a heart that's been touched by God. Can't lean on your own understanding. You can't do it according to what you think is best. You've got to have a heart touched by God to lean. Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. God touched your heart this morning. I'm finished preaching. Come on with a song. Has God touched your heart? You know what we talk to our children about? The need to know the Lord, the need to be saved, the need to have forgiveness of God for their sins, that they may know Him, that they may make heaven their home. The need to receive Christ into your life and to trust Him with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You know what we also teach them? That no man cometh unto me except for my Father which has sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. We teach them that there'll come a day and a time when God will touch their hearts. Nobody's ever been saved unless God touched their hearts. If you're saved this morning in this building, you remember a time when God touched your heart. When the Lord drew you near to Himself. When through conviction power, the Lord touched you. Through the Gospel, the Lord touched you. Through the preaching of the Word of God. Through the influence of the saints. Through the prayers of mom and dad, the Lord touched you. If you've ever been saved, you remember a time. When the Lord touched your heart. I'm asking you this morning, has He touched you in conviction? Praise God for that night. Hallelujah. Has He let you know that you're lost and you need a Savior? Has He touched you with His Spirit? Has He touched you this morning with a purpose? A zeal? A commandment to serve? Would you seek after the touch of the Lord more than anything else in my life that I want? I want the touch of God on me. Would you know His power this morning? Would you serve Him with power? God, give us a people whose heart God has touched. Everybody stay in. You need to pray this morning. I've preached to you what the Lord has laid on my heart. I know it's just a small phrase from a chapter that you probably haven't spent a lot of time even studying. My Lord, what a phrase. Men whose hearts God had touched Like that old song the cathedral sang back in the mid-80s. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. I was blind, but praise His name, I now can see. I was in darkness. Then Jesus found me. And since He touched me, I now am free. Do you have a heart that God has touched this morning? Do you need a touch from God for your heart? Sing for us whenever you're ready to sing. If you need to pray this morning, I'll preach to you what the Lord has laid on my heart. It's up to you now what you'll do with the preaching. Men whose hearts God had touched. Men whose hearts God had touched. And God changed His heart. 
the heart. Wisdom cried out in Proverbs, My son, give me thine heart. Apply your heart to know wisdom. God is interested in your heart this morning. The heart of evil men studies destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. But God is interested in doing heart surgery on us. The great physician can do something with your heart this morning. thy heart right with God? My son, give me thine heart. And let thine eyes observe my ways. Proverbs 23, apply thine heart unto wisdom or into instruction, and thine ears unto the words of knowledge. He said in verse 15, My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice. He said in verse 26, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. You know what we ought to be interested in more than anything else for our children? Their hearts. You teachers don't throw any rocks at me this morning, but their hearts are more important than their grades. You ball fans don't throw no rocks at me, but it's more important that their hearts be right than it is that they know how to dribble or that they know how to catch a football or that they can hit a curveball. More important that their hearts be right than it is that they look pretty or that they be popular. More important that their hearts be right than they have a million dollars and a new car. The children grow up and get a Ph.D., become important or wealthy, but their heart's not right with God, then what is it valued then? Our hearts. Our hearts. God give us men whose hearts God has touched. I want to be in that number. I don't know about you. I want to be in that number. Every parent, I'd encourage you this afternoon to go home in light of this kind of preaching or of this message and read Proverbs 22 and 23. I can't preach everything I study whenever I get ready for a message. I start off usually, used to be, Brother John remembers me starting off preaching and I'd have a bubblegum wrapper sometime and write my notes in it. And of course, it didn't take about 10, 15 minutes to preach in those days. And then I got to where as I'd study and get in that Word, I'd, I'd try to, you know, See how in-depth I could study something. Now I start off with notes and they're this long and I take and cut stuff out and cut stuff out and cut stuff out and cut stuff out and it still just grows when I start preaching again. So I can't share everything with you. Proverbs 22 and 23. If you'll go home and study it in light of the message this morning. In light of the message last week too, by the way. For the daughter, mine eye have affected my heart for the daughter of the city of Jerusalem about your children, your eyes and your hearts and how they're affected towards your children. There's a message in that. 
wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Nursing home this afternoon, if you can go be a part of that, I know Brother Ryan would appreciate the help. Some man singers and woman singers and all that stuff. We'll worship tonight at 15 to 6. Pray for the revivals this week. Pray the Lord's will will be done in them. Brother Bob, if you would please, you ask the Lord to help us as we part.